0: Good morning, and welcome to another episode of Crime Over Coffee. We're your hosts. I'm Abby. And I'm Erica.
1: Today, I'm going to be telling you part one of a listener-suggested story from Cal J about the Grun family from Peru, Indiana. So throw back your shot
0: of espresso, and let's dive in.
1: Susan Grun was born as Sue Ann Sanders in 1958, and she was one of seven children. And her dad was an alcoholic, and her mom had grown up on a farm, so she had kind of a weird dynamic kind of going on, because her mother was more of the farm type, and her dad was an alcoholic and was always drinking. She grew up in a really poor family, and the majority of her family had some things wrong with them. So her dad, William, was physically abusive and it got worse when he drank. Suzanne later came out and said that he had sexually assaulted her as a child. From the time that she was a child in, into her teenage years, Susan was plotting to escape from her life and her family and what she'd grown up in. She ended up changing her name to Susan. So her, she was born Sue Ann and changed it to Susan because she thought it sounded less, quote, trailer trashy. Than Sue Ann did. So, I don't know. That's just, that's how she thought. (laughs) She was described as an attractive girl with a bright smile, and because she was so good looking, she eluded a lot of self-confidence, and she was not somebody who was shy about expressing her opinion. She was very vocal about how she felt, and she didn't really care who she hurt in the process. She was also described as sexually precocious, and to a lot of boys, she became known as One Night Stand Sue Ann. <laughs> I don't know that that's best way to be described.
0: You know what? First off, rude. Because, like, they're doing one night stands, too. I hate that double standard. Girls living her life. I'm here for it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I I don't know. I just... It's not what I would want to be known as, I don't think. I don't think I would want the name, the nickname One Night Stand, Sue Ann.
0: <laughs> Especially since her name is Susan. Well,
1: her Rude. name is Susan. <laughs> yeah. The main part of the story really starts when she meets James Grund, And James goes by Jim. So, for the rest of the story, I'm going to use the name Jim. And she met him on a blind date in June of 1984. And at this time, Jim would have been about 39 years old and Susan would have been about 29 she said that there was an instant attraction and they got along really well. Jim was a single dad with a teenage son named David and a daughter named Jama Jim was recently divorced and he was the prosecutor for Miami County, which is where Peru is. Even though there was about a 10 year age difference between him and Susan, they were described to act about the same age because Jim acted a lot younger than how old he actually was, which I think you notice a lot In relationships, statistically, guys tend to mature a little less fast than women do. So sometimes if they're older and you're younger, your maturity levels are about the same. Not true for every guy, obviously. But I think that's kind of what they're referring to here. Jim starts to learn a lot more about Susan. So he learns that she was originally from Peru, which is where they're back at, and had left in 1975 at the age of 17 and moved to Oklahoma with her first husband, named Ronnie Lovell. Ronnie was in a band and so they kind of, they traveled around a whole lot and Susan in one interview that I watched where she was talking about how it was normal to sleep around when you were in a band. So like she would sleep around with other people in the band. She would sleep with the people that they would meet on the road and Ronnie did didn't like it because it wasn't like a consensual open relationship. It was a Susan got what Susan wanted type thing. So they were married for about 14 years and then divorced in 1979. Susan then remarried a construction worker shortly after and his name was Gary Campbell. They weren't together very long. They basically got together, had a son named Jacob and divorced pretty quickly right after the child was born. And Susan received full custody of Jacob. Then again, in 1982, Susan got married for the third time to a man named Tom Whitted. And I'll get into later how that marriage ended because that's something that Susan kind of hid from Jim at the beginning. So when Susan met Jim, she no longer had custody of her son, Jacob. And so all this stuff is things that Jim is learning about Susan. One thing that... Jim didn't know when he first met Susan was that she was actually pregnant. And I'm not sure who she was pregnant with, but that was another thing that she was hiding from him. It wasn't somebody that she'd been married to. It was just somebody that she'd had a little relationship with. So Susan's daughter, Tanelle, was born in October of 1984. About a month later, Susan and Jim got married. They got married in Florida and had their honeymoon there. And from what it sounded like, their their families came to the wedding. No, from what it sounded like, their families did not go to the wedding. And so they honeymooned in Florida. And then afterwards, they moved back home to Peru. Jim ended up finding out about Susan's past. So... Because she no longer had her son, Jacob, and there was some suspicion there with Jim. Jim finds out that the reason Susan no longer had her son was because she'd been accused of beating her stepson, who was her third husband, Tom Whittage's child. So they had been married for a few months, and Tom's son, Tommy, was admitted to a hospital in Oklahoma City with a fractured skull and brain swelling. Oh my gosh. And... Susan told her husband, Tom, that Tommy had fallen and hit his head. And Tom hadn't been there for the accident. But Tommy told the nurse that, quote, my mommy hit me. The hospital didn't report the injury to the police, even though Tommy had said it. They kind of just brushed it off. Susan was like, I didn't hurt him, you know. And so they believed Susan and they returned Tommy back to Susan and to Tom and for her to care for after several days in the hospital. Friends of Tommy's biological mother who had previously passed away talked about how they had suspected that Susan was beating him because he was a super bubbly boy. And he shortly after Tom remarried to Susan, Tommy started to be like a nervous wreck. So he would cry out in fear when he spilled a soda and he once told his birth mother's best friend that Susan had dropped him on his head. Also, Tommy came out and said that his stepbrother Jacob, which was Susan's biological son, was allowed to go around the house all day and do whatever he wanted. But Tommy was forced to sit in front of the TV all day. And he had to do the calisthenics during the Richard Simmons show, which calisthenics is the type of workout.
2: So please go to FireDeptCoffee.com and use our coupon code CRIMEPOD15 to support us, support them, help first responders, and get some incredibly tasty coffee along the way.
1: About four months later, in May of 1983, Tommy was back in the hospital. This time was worse than the first. He was unconscious and suffering from a brain hemorrhage. Susan told the hospital staff that over several days... Tommy had fallen out of a shopping cart and tripped over their pet dog and hit his head on concrete. And so that was why he had all of these ailments. But the doctors were like, no. The injuries that he had indicated sadistic beatings over like a period of time. They found bruises on his head, torso, limbs, and there were multiple cigarette burns. And there was also some trauma to his rectum that indicated sexual assault. The hospital staff called police and Susan was booked on suspicion of felony child abuse and she continued to say that it was just Tommy was super super clumsy but then her son Jacob ended up sitting down with the detectives and told detectives that and his her son was also this about the same age as Tommy so he was around three maybe four at this point and he said that his mom would frequently be Tommy to this day Tommy is now deaf mentally disabled nearly blind and requires constant care from a nursing home Tommy now suffers also from frequent seizures and he only knows one word and that word is food and I just think it's
0: absolutely awful. Yeah, this is like a really sad, really sad one. Not that other ones, cases we cover aren't sad. Obviously, they all are. But it's something different almost when you hear about like a child just getting attacked for no. I mean, no child deserves that. Nobody deserves it. But I think it pulls a little bit harder on your heartstrings when it's a small child.
1: Absolutely. And she was arrested for it and then after the trial she only ended up receiving five years of probation for that
0: yeah she would 100% needed to be in jail for a while for that one yes
1: she did end up losing custody of her son Jacob and he went back and was and started living with his father Gary but and like I said that so now we're kind of back to Jim and Susan just got married Susan has her daughter Tanel. she has full custody of Tanel, which I I also think is kind of baffling that she lost custody of one child, but she has full custody of the other one. I just, I've never understood that fully. Like, I know that people can change, but I don't know.
0: Yeah, I definitely don't think it sounds like she should have custody of any children.
1: Well, and the thing is, it was 1983 when she beat Tommy, and it was 1984
0: when she had Tenelle. Yeah, they're very close together. I mean, I don't think she probably should have had custody of any kids at all. I agree.
1: One thing that Susan really liked about Jim was that he was pretty rich. So he was the t- uh, the county prosecutor and he made some nice money. And Susan felt like that's where she really belonged is in a more upscale lifestyle. So they had a really nice house, multiple nice cars, and she was always attending these big fancy extravagant dinners. Jim's son David and his other family members were not big fans of Susan, and his family really didn't support their relationship. A lot of people believed that Susan was kind of just a trophy wife and that there wasn't actually any connection there, and a lot of the women in the area would get really jealous of Susan because she was so pretty and young. And so all of their husbands that were in the group of like Jim's friends would all be like attracted to her because she was so young and pretty. And so the women always got jealous and did not like her. And they all described her as needing to be the center of attention. She always needed the attention on her. So like I had said, Susan's son, jacob lived in oklahoma with his dad gary which is about 900 miles away from where they lived so jim actually owned a plane and he would fly susan and himself frequently to oklahoma so they could see her son and one time when they visited jim made a proposition to gary and said that he and susan could take custody of jacob again and they would take care of him and gary would no longer have the burden of taking care of him And Gary agreed to it and signed the paperwork that Jim drew up. But later on, Gary actually comes back and he says that he was under the wrong impression and believed that the arrangement was temporary, not for forever. Apparently, Gary was struggling with like some finances and like different things. So he thought that what they were doing was basically for a year, Jacob would go live with them while Gary got back on his feet and kind of got his life together. And then he was going to get Jacob back. But that's not what actually occurred. And so Gary claims that he continued to try to get custody back of his son, but they had already changed his name to a last name. And because of the paperwork that Gary had signed, Jim was now legal, like, Jim was able to legally adopt Jacob as his child.
0: I'm surprised that she would be able to get custody of Jacob after she had already lost custody for her past situation.
1: I don't know how it worked and I don't know if it was because Jim was involved and Jim just kind of took the custody the full custody basically. I I honestly don't know. This whole case is a wild ride and when I was researching it I kept finding like more and more and more things and then at the end when I was like going back through and I was like kind of ending it. I was like oh wait I forgot that that happened and this is like a thing that I forgot happens because there's just so many things Jim's two biological children did not support the relationship didn't like Susan did not want the two of them together but Susan's two children Jacob and Tanel, said that Jim was a really great stepfather and that he was always there for them. and he always made sure that they had everything they needed and wanted which I think for 10l that was really the only father figure she'd ever known in the first place. Jacob had had Gary before, but they both just really enjoyed him. Susan started to kind of abuse the amount of money that Jim was making. So she wasn't working. She was a stay-at-home mom. She wasn't bringing in any income. And she just started spending all of his money on clothing and everything. She always had to be the best dressed with the best hair, all of those things. And Jim kind of started to think that Susan was cheating on him, which wouldn't be that far of a stretch from what we already know um yeah that doesn't sound that surprising to me no i think that it's totally plausible so they started fighting over how much money she was spending and over her possible cheating and jacob came out and said that he remembered a time where susan and jim were fighting about something and he so jacob was helping his mom move some stuff in the house to the basement and susan asked jacob how he would felt if she ended up divorcing jim but like i said jacob really liked jim so he kind of he wanted the two of them to stay together then in july of 1992 jim and susan decided to take the kids to alaska for a family trip and while they were there a big fight occurred and nobody ever came forward and talked about what the fight was actually about, but Susan told Jacob and Tenelle to pack their bags because they were going to be going home. So they packed their bags up, but by the time everything was packed up and like they were getting ready to like leave, Susan had calmed down and changed her mind, and so they ended up staying and finishing the vacation as a family. Just a few days later after they returned home, on August 3rd, 1992, Jacob was spending the night with his friends at a campground at mississinawa Susan had just dropped him off and then had gone to pick up her daughter Tanel, who was seven at the time and then her cousin who was also seven because her cousin was going to be sleeping over with Tanelle. Susan got home after dropping Jacob off and bringing the daughter and cousin home and goes into the house and calls out for her husband and he doesn't respond. So she just assumes that he had one too many things to drink while he was out with his brother-in-law because it wasn't uncommon so she's like he's just passed out upstairs so Tanelle asked her mom if she could go up and like say goodnight to her dad give him a kiss and her mom said that she couldn't because Jim was sleeping Susan said goodnight to the girls and then went upstairs to the bedroom and saw her husband on the couch in their room and was like oh he's just passed out but then after doing some things like she realized he wasn't sleeping but he'd actually been shot in the head and Tanel talks about how she could hear her mom start crying and screaming shortly after she got upstairs. And Susan called 911 pretty quickly after. And the medics arrived a little before midnight and pronounced him dead when they arrived on the scene. Investigators found that the bullet had traveled through his left eye and his brain and then out the back of his head and into the sofa.
0: So Erica's looking at me weird. I was kind of trying to do that motion where would it be awkward to shoot yourself? From that angle is what I was just doing. And she kind of looks at me like, what are you doing? Because I'm just holding my hand up in front of my face. <laughs>
1: in a gun motion.
0: But also, yes. It, it definitely would be an awkward trajectory.
1: Yes. And they did determine that it was not a suicide. And that it was actually, it was a homicide. When Susan had first seen him, apparently he looked like he was sleeping. So she tried to shake him to wake him up. But of course, he didn't respond. And that was when she called 911. So that's the main part of the dynamic between the Grun family and the murder itself. So come back next week for part two, where I'm going to actually go more into the investigation and a possible trial if they find somebody that they want to convict.
2: Thanks for listening to this week's episode of crime over coffee. You can find us on Instagram at crime over coffee or on Facebook at crime over coffee podcast, where all of our photo and video content for each episode can be found.